Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. All right, so here we are. We're ready to board our Trans-Pacific flight down to the Southern Hemisphere. I've never been to the Southern Hemisphere. Have you ever yeah. been to the Southern Hemisphere? No, me neither. This, this Not is, at all. This is turning into quite the travel year for us. Yeah, right. Mallorca. Or no, that was last season. That was last season. But we've been to Provence. Provence. We've been to Vienna. We've been to... Italy. Italy. To Turin. To Turin. We've been all over the world. And now we're going to New Zealand. Where? All over the world. We've been to Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Europe. But we're going to New Zealand now. We are talking about Brokenwood Mysteries. This is a great little show. It really is. It's 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 a lot of fun. I wasn't sure what we were getting into. You know, they have set, all these pictures of all these detective shows have somebody look. They, they're staring at the camera. You know, very like somber. in their so very somber. It's sort of their band album cover. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Which is apropos have, for this show. Is it? Well, the country music is such oh, a big deal in this show that like the they can be they can be forgiven for like Mike. being like. This is this is our album cover. Okay, so is it a fictional town? I forgot to look this up. Yes, yes, it is. Brokenwood is actually a fictional town. It is a semi-rural town, uh, coastal and rural in like greater Auckland region of New Zealand. It's a farming town, but they have good coffee trucks, so I'm all for that. Yes. Here we Would go. Would you like me to share the log line for this show? <laughs> Let's just get us back on track with this, yes. <laughs> okay, so there is a pretty basic... I mean, this is so, again, super basic. I don't know how anybody gets a log line like this approved. <laughs> like, how do you pitch anybody this? Anyway, Detective Inspector Mike Shepard arrives on assignment in Brokenwood, a small town where memories and animosities run deep. And I was like, uh-huh. Okay. That's like every. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Animosities keep... run deep, but the graves are not. Right. <laughs> they're digging them up. Okay. No, they're not. They're not. But they're not. They could be. Well, this is a good time as any to talk about the fact that like one of the things I like about Brokenwood Mysteries is the fact that this is not like a CSI style show. Mm. Don't get me wrong. You know, Very I love true. me a CSI style show or yes. Bones and all their little holographic thingies that happen and everything on this. But this is very much an old school. We've got a detective. He's got his assistants or they've got their assistants, including like a coroner and a deputy who runs into wacky things that happen. And it's just all deduction and observation. It's not like we're going to get this exactly because of like forensic evidence and we need to let like facts tell us everything or blaze you with science. It's just like, nope, we're going to figure this. This is, this is very much a puzzle show. This is very much a humanity and puzzle show, which I really like. The episodes that we watched last night had so many cuts of conversations and flashbacks to yes. some extent but lots of just staring at a witness and asking them questions and then going and talking to another witness and asking them questions and staring at them and thinking <laughs> staring and thinking and questioning these are yeah. the tools of the detective okay so how about the second log line please you hit me with this? the second it has a little line. bit yes. more okay sure Detective Inspector Mike Shepard is good at his job, but bad at relationships. When he comes to the city of Brokenwood to solve a crime, he falls in love with it and decides to stay. But soon, Shepard begins to collide with Detective Kristen Sims. That that's that's where it ends. Collide with yes. Detective Sims. That's yeah, the long line. Yeah, and I don't know that he really collides with her. <laughs> that's like the first. That's the pilot, and then that's she. The pilot. And then yeah, there's a little bit of like freaking frack kind of thing going on with that with them because like you got to have somebody who's like giving a little bit of like i don't know the little push bit of back. anti pushback that's it that's a yeah. good word for it but like literally like literally he runs into complicated like that makes it seem as if the whole show is about the fact that like sims is trying to like undermine his every investigation yeah yeah <laughs> the conflict like, is the show is not about the conflict between the two of them yeah they're not the odd couple <laughs> yeah they're exactly exactly they're not she the odd couple on this side eye but for the most part she's respectful of him and they're he a is, great team yeah and i mean she calls him out in that first pilot and says hey you can't 
we have to you have to be inclusive and where's my coffee and you're right she yes she's, and she's she reminds him how to be a team player yes and, and I think he takes the note he does take the note he does take the note because they, ha- they do end up with a really great team i mean obviously the show's been going on forever they li- like the things going on back and forth but like he and sims do get along really well and do kind of like push each other in different ways they've got their wacky sidekick detective constable how okay i have to stop in here for a second what is with this must be because of like you know i'm sorry colonization but like detective inspector detective constable detective supervised like what is with all like do we how come we don't have all these different ranks in america do we have these different ranks in america and we just don't know about them like everyone's just a detective and then there's different variants of detective like you're bringing up questions that are covered i think in another podcast Well, it just goes to show how well I've been taking notes. Answer, not at all. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I haven't been looking these things up. I just sort of am like, yeah, that information out there. Hmm. It's out okay. there. Okay. <laughs> these seem like Googleable questions, but yes. nope. In, <laughs> we, just, we can't go on Google, people. If we go on Google, we might get spoilers and find out who was the actual villain of this episode. Yes. Including, right. yes, if we looked up how detectives' like ranking systems work, that's too much information. Oh. We, we're on a strict, <laughs> as little information as possible policy. That's that's our method around here. We only <laughs> as little as possible. Otherwise, where do where do you think these amazing guesses come from? They come from knowing nothing. Nothing. That's what has to Wild happen. Guesses. Wild guesses. Completely uninformed. <laughs> but in any event, Detective Constable Breen is their kind of wacky sidekick, and he's not he's not wacky in the sense of like Kramer or some kind of like other like like comedy sideshow. But he is the yeah. he is the one who like has awkward interviews with yes. people. He's he awkward is the, interviews. The light humor yeah. element. So yeah, yeah. I- I mean, there's some, I, I think Sims gets some awkwardness. I, I think everybody gets their yeah. taste of the town characters. In fact, not in this episode, mm-hmm. but the episode that we watched last night with the woman who was going to be marrying the guy who she thought was an aristocrat. Right. And it turns out she had all the money and he was, he was just a, a gigolo yeah. and she was actually not, you know, she... She was going to be marrying a, she thought, a landed gentry person, an earl. But anyway, she is in three episodes with three different husbands. So (laughs) they decide to keep up with her character. (laughs) That is fantastic. And I love it. I'm sure we'll get to the bingo card in a second. But it's definitely cozy. It's definitely light. Like the heaviest thing in in this show is the country music. Because that is one thing about this show that Uh, we haven't run into and anything mm -hmm. else is that this show, Mike has a detective the detective yeah detective inspector mike has a huge love of country music like right from the start like you there's country music shot through this show oh my gosh i think the first minute had like four songs yeah yeah different songs there's a soundtrack to the show which i've listened to which is great you did yep 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 so there like there's a lot of country music and then there's Maybe this just shows my American chauvinism, but what's the car that Mike drives? It's a oh. 1971. It's a 1971 Holden Kingswood. Holden Kingswood. I need to look up why this car is so beloved because it just looks like a Nash Rambler, which don't get me wrong. A Nash Rambler is a very <laughs> beloved car, but like it doesn't. Like, it has a sweet tape deck, Jacob. It does have a sweet, sweet tape deck, which, you know, they must. Yes. He even makes he does even say that, yes, he, even though it's a 1971 car, he had the tape deck put in special so that he could listen to his country music. But like you think think of like all the bitching like, you know what it is? I know what it is. It's that he's not a private investigator. It's that oh. he's, a, he's a city police person. That's why he doesn't have a truly bitchin car everybody seems to like this car everybody seems to think that this car is amazing but like from an american standpoint i don't know that this could truly qualify as a bitchin private investigator car okay okay well wait i'm confused because like inspector morse Mm -hmm. has a racy little jag jag that's and he's not a private investigator he's a paid by the city detective 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but like Magnum PI has a Ferrari. Okay, you're right. Oh, well, but no, but you're right because well, um, what's his name in Murder in Provence had that Citroën, and that yeah. was amazing too. So, I mean, well, that's also related to his family money. Oh, yeah. I okay, think. true. Well, fair and enough, it's but it's still, it's still, they've got a bitching car. I guess what I'm trying to say is everybody in this show seems to think that this is an amazing bitching car. So, in that sense, great. But from my, again, my like entitled, privileged American car culture, does not, I have Let's to say, look this I'm, up. Let's look this up. Holden Kingswood. Tell me what I don't understand. Tell me why this Holden Kingswood qualifies to be in the pantheon of amazing bitching cars. So Wikipedia says it was a full-size car manufactured in Australia by GM Holden from the beginning of the HK series in 1968 through to the conclusion of the WB series in 1984. Prior to 1968, the range of family cars comprised blah, 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 blah. Outside of Australia, the Holden range, including King's Woods in various body styles and its derivatives, have been sold in New Zealand, parts of Asia, and parts of the South Pacific branded as Holden's. I think what's going on is the fact that GM and other car companies would make these models. And then depending on the country you were in, they had to partner with local manufacturers to actually produce the cars in those countries. So what I think is happening here is that there is a lot of like local New Zealand, Australian pride around the Holden brand and the Holden mark. So Ah. the fact that I think the fact that he's driving a Holden car is a badge of honor as opposed to something like like a Ferrari, which would have been like Italy or an English car or a Land Rover or mm-hmm. something like that. Like this is mm-hmm. a little bit of nope, he's a he's a down home country boy, pride of location, I think is what's going on. Oh, so okay. I I will take my American attitude and step back on that. Especially when you talk about like also like when you think about it through the lens of country music. Do you know what I mean? Like this is somebody mm. who's like he's rooted, he's country, he's got soul, he's got three minute mysteries. So <laughs> that's what he says about country songs. He's like a three-minute mystery right there. Oh, so, oh, right. That's right. I forgot. But I, so it's totally yeah. in character. I get it now. Send me your Holden pics, and we will put them on the Insta. So yes. there you go for that. But what? Yeah. So what? Okay. So we've determined that it's cozy. We've determined that it's determined that it's folksy. What else on the bingo card for this show? Well, IMDb just says crime, drama, mystery. Just those three. So they don't mention the cozy part, but it really is, honestly. It's very cozy. Yeah. And we're watching this on Hoopla, which is the library app. So Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. check it out and watch it for free. And we are watching season seven, but they had eight seasons. We're watching season seven, episode three. Which is called? It is called Dog Day Morning. LOL. Instead of like (laughs) Dog Day Afternoon. When four masked men attempt to rob the Broken Wood Savings Bank, it's up to Mike and the team to determine which one of them pulled the trigger and killed the bank manager. And this aired in 2021. Okay. All right. And, yeah. So real quick, because you, you happened to mention the detective constable. And up until this time, basically, the detective constable has been played by Nick Sampson. Nick Sampson is actually writing this episode, and we Ooh. are going to interview him. Yes, we are. We're super excited for that. Tell me a little yeah. about Nick. Tell us a little bit well, more about Nick. Oh, okay. So Nick is part of an improvisation team called Snort, which apparently they're recognized and well-known. And he has done 26 episodes as an actor in this show and he also has written on a show called Star Trek Star Struck sorry uh, <laughs> it's sort of a reverse gendered Notting Hill where this oh. sort of normal shubby slubby kind of 20 something woman it meets this very very handsome world famous actor and he and they fall in love and she's like oh no he's never going to want to be with me and her friends are all like oh my god he loves you he is so in love with you stop having this these self-esteem issues he also wrote on a show called funny girls and 
<laughs> in my notes, I said, and of course, Power Rangers. <laughs> because everybody in New Zealand apparently has done multiple episodes of Power Rangers. Oh, my God. That's the fun thing about this is that it is a small community. And so I started really, I started basically, I mean, it's not a murder board, but basically like my own <laughs> murder board where I was like, oh, wait a minute. I just saw that person on that show. So I guess they work together there. And then this other person who was not on Broken Wood at all. Oh, no, wait, she is. She wrote another episode, just not this one. And she worked on this show with, I was like, all there, you know, everybody has, seems like has worked together in okay. one place or another. So but America, hold on, because sure, then sure, sure. I was like, but then I was like, oh, so yes, they've all worked together, right? But then, and you know, like one person, the the guy that they bring on as actually, for instance, the detective constable now, since since Nick is since, writing this episode, right. and he, this actor, um, whose name is Jared. Ra-iri. Um, he plays Detective Constable Daniel Chalmers in this episode. He was in a movie with Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, all of these people must have worked with Taika. No, no. Jared has worked with Taika. That is it. And oh. like, I could, I don't think I found one person who did the Lord of the Rings, had a Lord of the Rings in their in their resume, it was crazy. Well, okay. So if America has Law and Order, and yes. England has EastEnders, and Canada has Hudson and Rex, what shows that everybody? What is the show in New Zealand? Somebody tell us what is the show in New Zealand oh, that everybody well, has to have done. Oh yes. So I know what the the show is. It's well. First of all, there is a a soap opera, a hospital soap opera. Yes. Yes, called, of course there is. Yeah. And it's called Shortland Street. And everyone seems like, well, at least in this show, a lot of people have tons of episodes on that show. Okay, great. Shortland Street. Yeah. And then there's Hercules. There's a lot of Hercules. Some Xena, warrior princess for some of the the older folks, more mature folks. But then for this show in particular... There is a show called The Almighty Johnsons. Yeah. Hilaire. <laughs> I'm very nearly just did a spit take all over my computer screen. I'm sorry. What is it called again? The Almighty Johnsons. All right. Please tell me more about The Almighty Johnsons. Where did I write about it? Okay. So The Almighty Johnsons is... Four brothers living in New Zealand are modern reincarnations of Norse gods. I love this show. So one of the four brothers was Timothy Balm or Balme, Balm E, B-A-L-M-E is his mm-hmm. last name. And he is the creator, head writer, showrunner of this show. Okay. And he was sort of the more mature of the four brothers it looks like in the pictures he's kind of a cross between a crocodile dundee and a bradley cooper (laughs) and he has tons of acting credits as well as writing all right great all money johnson's we'll put it well now we're we we don't have time we everyone's always just like are you are you watching the last of us are you watching the last of us i'm like i have way too many cozy mysteries to watch before i get to the last of us (laughs) So we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of shows, a lot of crossovers, mm-hmm. people being in different things. And they, or another show was called Spies and Lies. A bunch of the cast in this show were in that. Yeah, it's very active community. Like, is it right up there with Vancouver? Probably. Probably. Okay. Yeah, Maybe even that. more because they're, they're really generative of their own work, mm-hmm. not, not things out of Hollywood. So Got it. The lead, Detective Mike Shepard, is played by Neil Rea. He went to a big New Zealand acting school called Toy Wakari. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, I apologize if I got that wrong. He, as in addition to being an actor, he is a casting director. Oh, okay. And he has his own company called Fly Casting. Uh. Ha, 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 ha. Love it. Of course, he was on Power Rangers, Legend of the Seeker, 
a show called Go Girls that uh, actually uh, a number of the cast are in that as well and the creatives. Yeah. And then Detective Kristen Sims is played by Fern Sutherland and she was in The Almighty Johnsons. Mm-hmm. She was one of the um, She was one of the gods? She was a lead, she was no, she was a lead actress. Okay. Uh, lead because well, the, the gods were say- four men. Okay. Okay. Because you said that for you said that, and for just a second, it sounded like you were saying, "Oh no, she was just an actress, Jacob. She was not a god. They had actual gods on the show, Jacob. (laughs) No, what are you talking about?" (laughs) Yeah, I mean, no, she was just the human. She was just the human, Jacob. No, she was not. Come on. (laughs) She played an actress that the gods fall in love with. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean to say just. Get me Zeus on the line. <laughs> I apologize, Fern. <laughs> You're awesome. Uh, she's really great. And then, like I said, like we said earlier, the de- the new detective constable is Daniel Chalmers. Uh, that's the detective constable. Mm-hmm. Actor is Jared Rauiri, and he has a best director award for the New Zealand Web Fest for a show called. And I'm going to totally. Butcher this. I apologize. Stop apologizing. uh, You're not getting any points. I'm not getting uh, any points. Okay. Okay. Hold on. There's a lot of words in here that are Maori. (laughs) And so I'm going to explain them. Follows a crazy group of city-based rangatari, tahi, which is the word for young people ages 15 Mm -hmm. to 25. They're, this is the, the Mm -hmm. line. They're young kuru kaupapa raised meaning they went to a primary school where teaching based is based in Maori language and culture and normalizes it as opposed to the Western British white supremacist culture, um, which has been extremely erasing to Maori culture. So it was a, it was a fun based show about the, about the youth. These kids kind Um, of busting out. Yeah. Getting cut cash, cutting corners and charging their phones. That was the, that's the log line. So that sounds fun. Another regular in this show is Carl Willits, and he plays a character named Frankie Frodo Odes. Frodo! And there, he's basically, he works at the cafe, and he's just kind of this dorky. Yeah, he's uh, he's the town dork. He's like, who was the guy in Gilmore Girls who like played every different like municipal position and was just always running around? I can't remember his character. Was he like James Gunn's brother? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, He plays that guy. Like he's just he's just the town weirdo going around and just being a little too clingy. Yeah. And a little too wacky. Yeah. Yeah. And he has basically all the. All the odd jobs. All the credits, too, that I have listed. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. He's been in all the shows that everybody else has been (laughs) in. Yeah, so that's a lot of fun. Oh, I guess I could talk about the director of the show, except he's basically had all the credits that everybody else has had. (laughs) What's his name? Tell us his name. Uh, His name is Mark Beasley. One interesting thing about him is that he is working on a show called My Life is Murder, which is with Lucy Lawless. Um, yes, yes. From Xena, Warrior Princess. And he, that was and Parks actually... And Rec. Don't forget Lucy Lawless's oh, yes. stunning turn in Parks and Rec. She is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, opposite Nick Offerman. Mark Beasley, his, some of his first directing jobs were on Xena, Warrior Princess. So I can only imagine that like they've known each other for years. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, have him, him back. And he's great. So, And I love that, too. That, you know, somebody that you worked with years ago, you're like, oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm so happy yes. to be reunited. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, tell you what, let's have you listen to a little bit of our Nick Sampson interview while we go off and uh, get into this show. Sounds good. This episode, we're very lucky to have Nick Sampson join us. Originally from New Zealand, now in London, Nick is an actor, writer, stand up comic, and improv performer whose credits, in- whose credits include Power Rangers, which Sorry, we're absolutely going to talk about. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sketch comedy shows like Jono and Ben, Lucky Girls, and then, of course, a long-running gig as DC Sam Breen on Brokenwood Mysteries, which is how we found him. Most recently, he's acting as a writer on Starstruck. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, this is awesome. So, as you mentioned, you did comedy, but and you were the comedic foil when you got onto Brokenwood Mysteries. Like, Sam Breen was definitely kind of like a comedic foil for Mike and Sims. So... What was your education like for writing then with mysteries? Like, what did you learn about mysteries writing on that show? And what were some of the rules of the show itself? So that show, I sort of started out as Tim, Tim Baum, the, the creator, uh, he sort of, 
he actually called me one day and he was like, well, I've got this show and we just need a guy to sort of walk in the background every now and then and, and say a couple of lines. And then it's, it, was, it was kind of like an extra sort of role in, in the first season. If you watch it, I'm not really mm-hmm. in it very much. Um, and then, and then because I, I guess I cook, because I'm a comedian, he would sort of write more sort of funny stuff for me. And so the role kind of grew quite organically in that way. And yeah, Broken, Broken Wood is a, it's so interesting because it, it's never, I've never been, I've never really watched, like I, before that I hadn't watched that much mystery stuff. I, I definitely wasn't like familiar with like Midsummer Murders or those long running procedural mystery shows. So my, my intro to the world was actually just working on that show. Um, but there's definitely like rules and stuff that sort of have grown up organically. Cause I remember in the first couple of seasons, you know, as actors, we were co- constantly just trying to like, be like, or maybe we could have a sort of long running story arc for my character where he's, you know, going through a divorce or something. And they're like, but, but the, but the sort of the world of that show requires it, you know, it's, it's a episodic show. So you don't want to be, be dropping into it and being like, what the hell is going on? I understand right. any, you know, you want to be able to just focus on the mystery and actually like when you're, when you're acting in a show like that, you know, me, certainly I'll, I'll constantly, I was constantly like, oh, you know, I bet I could write this. I bet I could, I bet I could really do a good job of this. And then um, when Tim finally uh, let me, you know, write an episode with him, gosh, it was hard. It was, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so tricky. It's uh, my head, my head is off to anyone who writes, writes this sort of stuff. It's, it's incredibly difficult. And where was the writer's room sort of like, were there things on the wall that you were like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll try this, this time. And this, put this into the episode we've always wanted to try blah 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 or were, were you pitching all those uh... it was a bit of that i mean there isn't really a writer's room because it was just the, the episodes that i've written have just been me and tim who's the the creator and the way uh, my the first episode i wrote with him was about steampunk it was like a, a, a deep nice. steampunk festival um and that was actually just inspired because i went to a steampunk festival in new zealand that there's like a big steampunk festival in the south island and i happened to be there (laughs) i went and it was just so bizarre and i was meeting all these characters wearing these big top hats and goggles and just that night i was like oh this is this has got to be a broken episode because everyone here is so specific and and kind of odd and which really fits into the the world of broken wood so that was how that came about and then basically from that it's just yeah just checking in i think in that first episode that i wrote with tim i me and tim both threw in a lot of things that we wanted to see like a, we had like a hot air balloon chase and like a a shootout and stuff like it's like we just sort of threw everything at the wall and we, i think because it was the first episode of the season yeah so so the episode that we watched again was the dog day morning and so there were allusions to reservoir dogs and charade can you tell us about developing that script and yeah what were you particularly proud of on it? So that that one actually came from an idea that Tim had, which was based off a real life thing that happened to him, which was I think in the eighties he saw mm. someone. He was I think he was at a bank, or he was either outside a bank. He saw someone try to rob a bank basically uh, with just a piece of paper, and they they fled from the crime scene. And then I think they ended up they tried they got into a car and the car stalled, oh. <laughs> right outside the bank, and then. Then they ran, they tried to run, and one of them ran straight into the courthouse. <laughs> so it's like one of those just mad stories that could only happen in New Zealand. And so that was kind of the genesis of of the idea. I think because I wanted to do a bank thing as well, and so we kind of just weirdly both had the had the same like location idea. And yeah, we just ended up making a, a bank robbery that this sort of kernel of an idea became a, a story about these just really dumb bank robbers and then just just trying to figure out like well, why would they be doing this mm-hmm. and and yeah i don't know the, the, the references to like reservoir dogs and stuff were just little fun color things to put in you know you just like as, as you say when you're writing something like this you really do just try and chuck in all the all the allusions, all the, the like references that you can, because it's just kind of fun to do. Thanks so much to Nick for joining us on the pod. He had some great stories about coming up as an actor in New Zealand, how improv is different there from London, and what it's like working as an actor and writer in London now. 
You'll hear them all in our next episode when we play the full interview. But for now, on to the guessing. Jessica, I'm just going to come out and say it. Okay, say it. They are the worst bank robbers ever. <laughs> they, are just, they are the worst bank robbers ever. So this show starts with the bank robbery. But before we get to the bank robbery, so, okay, fine. I guess it doesn't start with the bank robbery. The show starts with Trudy, the surly ex-con waitress who works at the pubs, like the snake and the toad or whatever. No, it's not even the snake and the toad. That would make sense. Snake it's and like tiger. Snake and tiger, yes. <laughs> Walking across the street of the bucolic, idyllic, Brokenwood to the Brokenwood Savings Bank, and she runs into Mrs. Marlowe, who used to teach classes at the jail where Trudy was a part of. And Trudy is just like, I'm never going back there. I'm never doing anything to go back there again. And Mrs. Marlowe. By the way, Mrs. Marlowe is played by Elizabeth McRae, who was in Shortland Street. Okay. Power Rangers. (laughs) Go girls. We'll just put that on loop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Go on. So, so she says. She also quotes. She quotes Led Zeppelin, though. She quotes the Led Zeppelin song "No Quarter" when she says, "Even though they walk side by side with temptation, they uh, the devil mocks them with every step." So, anyways, Trudy goes into the bank and is going to do a deposit, and then we see four gentlemen walk in wearing plastic German Shepherd masks. Yeah. Um, they they all pile out of a car and walk in, and they. Go up to the front desk with a duffel bag, a black duffel bag, and a written note. And they slam the duffel bag onto the... No, they don't slam the duffel bag. They're holding the duffel bag up, and they hold up the note to the teller. And the teller is like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, read this. And like, I'm sorry. It's hard to tell who you are with the masks. And it's you're muffled, and the handwriting's bad. And the guy's like, "It's my handwriting's fine. Just read the thing. And as he's doing this, the other... so. Th- th- they're confronting a female teller. As they're confronting the female teller, the male teller is like, Devin? And he's like, I'm not Devin. And then everybody's like, uh, I'm not Devin either. So everybody's denying that they're Devin. One of them, for some reason, is holding they're up like, a plant. like, I'm not Spartacus. Yes, exactly. And I'm not Spartacus either. I'm not either. Spartacus either. <laughs> and, and one of them is holding up a plant for so some reason. Is that it? Because they're all, okay, as well as the masks that they're wearing, they're all yes. wearing Black suits with white shirts and black ties. Right. It's sort of very reservoir dogs. Very reservoir dogsy, yes. So is that is that what the plant is? Uh, true confession, I've never seen reservoir dogs. Oh shut the F Oh my god. I've really? never se- I've seen bits of it. I've never actually sat down and watched Reservoir Dogs, so I okay. don't know. Well, I have seen it. But I do not remember. So like, there you go. I, I have to always count on you to remember every little <laughs> bit of little every film bits. that you have ever that, that you've ever seen. Yeah. I privileged narrative. I remember those things, but no, I've never seen it. So. Oh, okay. And anyway, yeah, one of them is holding. I don't know up why he's a, holding a plant. <laughs> yeah, one of them <laughs> is holding up a plant. One of them is saying that like they've got a bomb. Another one he, is... Well, it was a good joke because he's like, read the note. And she starts reading the note. Oh, and yes. And she says, okay, empty the drawers. We have uh, a bone. Be, we have a bone. Yes. And he's like, bone? Read the note. And she says, it says bone. Well, I don't... Your handwriting. He says, this is bomb. Oh, well, your handwriting is really bad. She talks back to him. Yes. <laughs> but it was... She was reading in context because they had the dog, had the dog right. masks on. <laughs> very silly. So everything is clearly going all pear-shaped with this robbery. There's not a lot of money in the till because as the teller kindly explains, it's all electronic now. And so one of the robbers says to the other one, this isn't enough. This isn't, we need a lot more, a lot more. So then they decide some, a couple of them are going to go in the back into the vault. So they, like three of them go into the back into the vault and one of them sticks around in the lobby and starts to rob everybody in the, the lobby. He's like, give me your watches your jewelry your money and they get to trudy and trudy has a bag of money and it's like i think she's probably making the morning deposit or something like that yeah yeah. and the robber is like give me this and she's like no and he pulls his gun and he's like give me this or else and she's like or else what and And she also says it's not mine that's right she does she says it's not mine so he's so he doesn't shoot her, and when he doesn't shoot her, she kicks him in the shin, and he goes down like a crumpled heap. So she walks to the front and looks at the teller desk where they've dropped the duffel bag with the bomb. She opens it up, and it's not a bomb; it is like a 
Xbox or something like that, some kind of game console. And she's like, look, the bomb's not real. I'm fairly certain those guns aren't real. Now, as long as I'm here, can you please deposit this money for me? And just then, there's a gunshot. So at least one of the guns is real. And the three people who went to the back come barreling out of the back, running pell-mell. They all leave, but not before one of the robbers takes the takes the bag of money from Trudy and they all run out they run out their getaway car is gone their getaway car finally comes screaming around the corner they all get in the getaway car the getaway car runs out of gas so these yes. are not very well prepared people the getaway so they car all runs get out, of out to push <laughs> they're all <laughs> like pushing in their like fancy dress shoes and their suits yes. trying to push the car forward like that's going to get them anywhere when they're hearing like you know police car yes yeah <laughs> anyways okay. so yes the police cars come up they're like that's it just everybody split up and run so all four of them run off in different directions with the money and whatever else they've got and one then... of them is kind of limping mm-hmm. well because he was he hit was kicked in the, in the leg so they all run away limping, and then you go cut back to the inside when you realize the, – so the police come up and run inside. You come back, and you realize that the gunshot has killed Bernie. It is Bernie, right? I can't remember, but it's the head of the bank. It's the head of the bank. It's the older gentleman who's head of the bank, and he's back in the office area, maybe even the vault, but he's back somewhere in the back hallway. It looks like actually the employee lockers are behind him. Fair enough. He's in. He's in, he, that makes a lot more sense because he's in a space where his, they're about to have a party for his retirement, and he has he is face down in the celebratory cake for his retirement. So, yes, that is the dead body. Cut to title sequence. That is where we stopped. But before we move on from this and before we start guessing, I just want to say I really think we need to guess as to what props person made that cake. Because (laughs) they need to up their fondant game. That was not the Uh. best fondant (laughs) covering of that cake that I've seen. So maybe it was like a, a home brew. Like maybe somebody at the front desk made... So the props person, when it, the props person and the front desk person got together, like, well, my character loves Great British Bake Off, but isn't actually very good at this. But she still volunteered to make the cake, but so she didn't do a good job of it. So I think the cake should be a little rough and ready around I mean, the edges. Jacob, have you ever watched Nailed It? <laughs> Everybody always has like grand ideas. Grand ideas. I had COVID. I made cookies, and I you bought me dye as I mm-hmm. asked. And I iced the cookies, and then I was like, oh, I'll try to do little dots like snow or – and it just made the cookies look like little disease atoms <laughs> or <laughs> little, little COVID cells. Little COVID cells, yeah. <laughs> they tasted delicious. I remember the cookies. They were great. Oh, yeah. They were gingerbread. They were tasty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, that I, well, I'm i not a, a froster. Anyway, so somebody made a good effort. It's just As a homemade cake. It's a homemade cake. As you're zooming in this dead guy's head, though, I was like, man, that fondant looks a little rough. So <laughs> we are, We've talked about this way too long. We have to move on. <laughs> Who are your guesses? <laughs> you're like, somebody made a really crappy cake and they were going to poison him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> On his last day. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be a hell of a twist. That they didn't actually shoot him. He was poisoned because he hit the cake too soon. (laughs) Yeah. Although that would be bad because that would mean poison the entire bank because everybody's going to have You're a right, piece of cake. You're right because everybody's going to eat the cake. Oh, my God. We've and got the... a serial killer oh in broken God. wood. That's just no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we got yeah. four suspects. Four suspects. But not all, maybe not all the guns were live. They're all wearing masks. They need money for some reason. Okay, why do we think they needed money? Like, I don't think, I don't know how the health system works in New Zealand. Do they have universal health care? Or could mm. you be stuck with a very massive, like, I mean, it's just like, do you need money to pay off the house? Do you need money to pay off the medicine bills? Do you need money to pay off, like, your, like, crooked cop or something or your crooked lawyer or something? Like, somebody needs money for something, and I don't know what it is. And I doubt it's for a new PlayStation. Maybe it's like the remortgaged of the house, though, or I bet gambling like debt. Oh, or... gambling debt. That's an yeah, interesting one. Yeah, it could one. be a yeah, farm. Yeah, yeah. We are kind of in the countryside. But that's that's what I bet. I bet it's I bet it's a I bet it's 
I bet it's the farm. I bet it's somebody's farm is is going under and they need the money, which is ironic because they're robbing the bank to pay off the bank. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that seems weird. But then they shot the head of the bank and maybe that was the yeah, person's purpose all the time. I don't know. Maybe you're right. You're right. Maybe the whole point of all of this was just to like shoot the head of the bank anyways. Maybe the maybe the rest of the crew thought that the bank the robbery was what it was, but it wasn't. It was just to kill this person. I think we're overthinking it. I think these robbers are what not so great. What if it was great. an inside job and that guy that they knocked out he wanted to get knocked out. So they were they knocked him out purposefully. You know, he was like, "You knock me out so I look innocent." Okay. I have not – new game for this episode maybe. Let's try to come up with the most convoluted plan we possibly could for what's actually going on. I'll go with serial killer. You go with inside man. <laughs> Let's completely change the show. This is a tricky one because we really don't know – Devin is involved somehow. We These four people, I'm going to imagine that they're brothers – now I'm thinking, though, now I'm thinking that maybe they're members of a band. Maybe they're trying to get band equipment. But I don't know that oh. you would really, like, really want to have the possibility of killing somebody just because you wanted a new amplifier. I mean, I know that. But, like, the Led Zeppelin quote. Like, why bring up Led Zeppelin unless you were talking about people? That's in- why I think it's an inside job. Tell me I, more. Well, because the the quote is if you walk well she quoted it if you walk alongside temptation then devil mocks you at every step the devil mocks you at every step so i think the walking beside temptation is the that bank assistant who was like devin i think he is in on it you know he's it's it's temptation when you work at a bank you're around money all the time mm. so he he was part of it. That's going to be my guess. Are you okay. writing this down? No, no, no. I'm doing? looking at my notes. I'm looking at my notes trying to oh. trying to make sure I get all this right. So, yeah, maybe, although everybody did seem genuinely surprised, I, I'm just going to ignore all of that because I feel like I have no clues. That's other the than point. A, a guy holding up a plant. That is our show. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> Jessica my- was very nervous about that plant. She was, I mean, Jessica has a whole balcony <laughs> full of plants. She was very nervous. Like the people were at gunpoint and she's like, yeah, yeah, the gun's fake. But that plant, that plant, if you drop it, the shock to the roots could really hurt it. <laughs> yeah. And then he did drop it. He did. Uh... <laughs> Justice for plants. <laughs> What is reverse veganism? Can you eat only animals? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've never heard of that, but... uh... I think it's called keto. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so my wild guess is that the bank teller was in on it. Even though he was knocked out, he was in league with the robbers and he did they did it because they they're desperate because it's so dumb to take people's jewelry because that's so traceable with the whole like keystone cops nature of the beginning of this and with the led zeppelin quote on this i really am I'm I'm doubling down on my they're trying to get band equipment. I bet they're all in a band. They thought that this would be a victimless crime. They would go into the bank, they would get a lot of money from the bank. No one would get hurt. They cuz they weren't pla- like they it was a fake bomb. They never wanted to hurt anybody. And I think one of them just took the gun from the farm and it went off. Hmm. That's they didn't what I realize think. But, it was but, loaded. Yeah. Well, they might have realized that it was loaded. But here's the thing on that. Like, that's still a little too... Like, for all of your other things about this show, they do, like, crimes... The crimes aren't frivolous. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're purposeful. The cr- they're pur- somebody had they're- motive. Yeah. Somebody had it out for that that bank manager. I think that they thought... Yeah, the mortgage needed to be paid off. 
maybe for granny because they didn't want her to have to leave or maybe they needed to pay for her to go to like a retirement community. Yeah. Although maybe even that is paid for. Some some countries pay for senior For care. elder care, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say there is a... Yeah, I'm just going to go with, with, with granny... They need to pay for her to go. Grandma needs to go into a retirement community, but she can't afford it. They need to get money so that they can help take care of grandma. So they're all they're all family members, brothers, friends, and they think that the bank owner did them did grandma wrong. And so there was, yeah, been, they somebody felt wronged by this bank manager not approving a loan, and that's why they killed him. And I don't know what the other storyline is. That's my guess, though. All right. Well, we're, we'll find out if we find out, and we'll be back to tell you what we find out, and you'll find out what we find out when we find out right now. Oh, back my gosh, I'm turned around. <laughs> uh, find out soon. This is what I've decided we need, Jessica. We need okay. a country song for failed guesses. <laughs> we, we, need, <laughs> we need a country song to talk about the heartbreak and agony of throwing yourself against a murder mystery, really trying super hard to get it, and then having that murder mystery just flummox you and have it be com- something completely different. That's what we need. Just the, yeah. the heartache uh, in that. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do it. Um, I think that would be fantastic. And then maybe there's like a a C section of the song that's like a a guest rapper who can take us through police <gasps> constable, police sergeant, inspector, <laughs> chief inspector. Like no, just yes. help us, you know, detective, chief inspector, like help us get through all that. <laughs> and for that matter, like a little rapping section where they come in and they give you the whole plot. Like, we, we talk about how hard it is to do everything, strumming along, the heartache. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sad. I'm so sorry I didn't get this. And then the rapper comes in and just be like, this is what happened. It went to this, it went to this, it went to this, it went to this. And these fools didn't get it right. Oh, I'm so sad I didn't get it right. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am also thinking of Space Jam. The This is the plot to Space that? Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Demi's from Punch Up the uh, Jam. From Punch Up the Jam, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is, if you can get that episode still, it is so great. <laughs> it's a good one. But yes, in case you haven't figured it out, in which case, <laughs> really? No, we didn't get it. I, we didn't get this. No, answer. you yeah, were I got so convinced. Close. I no, had two arms were... in the air, like, <laughs> yeah, I got you... it. And then no. no, she had a she had a premature celebration halfway through the show. She was like, "Yes, yes, the bank." Oh, tower. it wasn't halfway. It was it like two thirds. It was like two thirds. Yeah, I I want to say it was even more than two thirds. Maybe it really seemed like oh, this is it, and then yeah, it totally wasn't. So the bank teller did recognize who the Devon was, and it, through lots of machinations, you found out that he did know. That the didn't know that the heist was going to happen, but he kind of felt that something was up. And the C, as, there's a CCTV camera that they can't get the film on for a long time, so that just delays knowing this. So later, so you think that as the episode went on, more and more, you're like, oh my gosh, it was him, it was him, it was him. And then you get the CCTV footage, and you see him like after Nicholas was his name, the the yeah. male teller was Nicholas. He gets clocked by one of the robbers. He falls to the ground. And then you see from the CCTV camera, you see him crawling away. Yeah. And, and I was like, because when she says, oh, my gosh, Bernie, she doesn't look down at him. She doesn't think to look down at the, you know, right. the other teller who is next to her. She doesn't think to go like, is he OK? She just he completely has disappeared from her mind. And the yeah. only way that that made sense to me is if he was not even there and he wasn't. He had. What's it called? Like elbowed, army crawled. He like little army crawled. Him his way out into the hallway to, but as it turns out, to hide. Yes, he just went to hide. He didn't hurt anybody. 
The and so, but so here is the mystery. Here was the central mystery of all this. One, the first mystery is that yes, all of these people were doofuses. They were just incredible doofuses. And the like, watching you find out how each of them was just a doofus in their own way was a delight in this episode. It really uh, was. One was just a doofus. Just Devin. Devin was a guy who's kind of the ringleader on all of this. Mm-hmm. Devin is the grandson to a guy named Kenny. Kenny originally tried to rob this bank in the 70s, but didn't. And Devin Well, decided... he, he wasn't Sorry. successful. He and... wasn't successful. He did rob the bank. He didn't get away with it. And he went and did some prison time. Devin was Kenny's grandson and, like, devoted to him and looked up to him and wanted to prove himself to him. So he came up with this plan to rob the same bank and recruited... First off, he recruited... Oh, gosh, what were their names? He recruited three guys. One yeah. of the guys was Gil, I think Gil, who worked at a pizza place and was just an ex-military person. No, but that was it, Eli. Who that was, was Eli. Eli Gibbons. Place, that was the, his name. Yeah, Devin worked at the poli- at the pizza place. And Eli worked fired. outside. He was a mascot, you right? Know, outside dancing to get people to come into the pizza place. And then there was the college-aged kid, who I don't remember Blake? his name. Blake, maybe? Something like that. Yeah. And then there was, oh, Caleb. Caleb, Caleb yes, Caleb. was the college. Very, comes from a rich family, but didn't Not have too rich money because he needed college. money. Exactly, because he needed money for college, which is why he yeah. was involved in the heist. Yeah. And, and then, then there Reese was Reese Odes, who was a driving instructor yes. teaching Devin well, because he had not gotten his license he hadn't or... gotten his license so he was fired from the pizza place because he hadn't gotten his license yeah he one couldn't of deliver the great pizza. moments of this episode is when the co- so the cops piece together that reese odes who's frodo's i can't even begin to describe the relationship oh my gosh frodo that was so confusing but so but so you can kind of get again reese is the not reese frodo is the kind of wacky everything in town so reese is his dim-witted brother somehow Reese is a driving instructor, and they figure out that Reese is involved in this. And so they go to pick up Reese, who's giving somebody else a driving lesson. And as they come up behind the student who's driving, Reese is just like, floor it. And she's like, what? It's the cops. No. And he's like, I'm your instructor. I'm telling you to floor it. <laughs> but she can't. She does. Is it like a manual transmission? No, and she, the does, car she just, just stops. Like, chunk, chunk, she chunk, just chunk, stops. Stops. She just stops it. Yeah. Yes. And then he but it was gets a out and tries to run moment. away. But yeah. yeah. And but he's he says to floor it, but he's really like a kind of dopey guy. He's an incredible um, dope. And yes. you see that in the in the bank heist because he pulls around the side of the the bank when they all come out to leave, and then the car has no gas. Yeah. So yeah. So all four <laughs> of these guys are just a bunch of doofuses, and they figure like the hard part. The reason they well, can't figure out the go on. Well, Eli. Eli is ex-military mm-hmm. and he his girlfriend got pregnant and he's excited but Oh yeah, he's sweet. He's a sweet guy. He needs more money. Um, Cuz he's about to have a family. He's about to have a family. Why how did he get recruited into this? Was it just they needed a, a fourth? I think he just got I think he got picked up because he works at the pizza place that Devin used to work at and he knew that he was ex-military and they just needed a guy and he, they knew that he had been turned down for a loan. So I think they just oh, he, they were they yeah. Oh, he does teach them how to te- to shoot their paintball guns better. But that's useless right. because they don't ever use them as paintball guns. I mean they use yeah. them as guns to look threatening. But... To look threatening. The same as like they're the same as the bomb which is just an a game controller, which they make great joy out of the fact that Mike doesn't Mike the detective doesn't realize that it's a game controller. He's like, "Oh, Oh, I knew that was a game controller. Sure. Because yeah. he thinks it's a CD player at first. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's all music with him. It's all music with him. It's all music with him. But anyway, so yes, these four doofuses come together to do this bank heist. They were doing it for all individual reasons. They weren't doing it to because they were in a band. I re- like it would have. I, 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 I like my band solution. I like the idea that they were all in it for like they were they. Like, they were all doofuses enough that that would have been a good reason. But the real reason they were doing this was because Devin was trying to impress his grandfather. But it turns out his grandfather was absolutely 100% manipulating him. Because his grandfather, when his grandfather went and tried to rob the bank in the 70s, his grandfather was a bit of a doofus as well. And his grandfather didn't realize 
there wasn't a whole lot of money there. And the bank teller, Bernie, when Bernie was just a young man in the 70s, offered to give him his own bank safe deposit box, which was which only had stamps and envelopes in it. And this this earns this show a dear place in my heart because as soon as I saw the stamps, I was like, oh, it's it's a the money's in the stamps and B Kenny's behind all this and they're absolutely doing a charade. Oh, right. A charade yes. homage to this because that is yeah. where the money is hidden in charade as well. Um, but in any event, so so yes, Kenny back in the 70s doesn't realize that these stamps are worth a whole lot of money and it's been eating at him for 30 years. And so he manipulates Devin into having this idea to rob the bank again, but he gives him the wrong safe deposit box. That and the he tells in. there were all kinds of riches, jewels and jewels yeah, all and kinds of money and cash. And he just stuffed it in the box to be got later. Right. And that was how he outsmarted the police, actually. Yes. So mm. one of the things he so he tells Devin to always make sure you have a backdoor exit. So Devin opens and makes sure that the back door is open. And while they're running around cocking up the heist, the grandfather comes in and confronts Bernie and steals the stamps and shoots Bernie when Bernie tries to, because Bernie's just about to retire. It is Bernie's retirement. And Bernie tries to swallow the key, but he shoots him first, gets the key, takes the stamps. And he gets away on his little on his old mobility scooter, mobility scooter and dressed nobody, like just as like a, a you know, an old guy no, and a windbreaker. Yeah. And nobody suspects him because he recently had a stroke. And so everybody's convinced that he can't walk and he's incapable. But what they don't realize is that he actually recovered from the stroke really well. And he's been hiding it to play this long con. Yeah. So that's what happened. I hope you followed that. It was a delight. If not, go watch the show. It's a fun show. It was a great. I, I Like I said, as soon as those stamps appeared, I was like, it's the stamps. Son of a gun. I love it. So yeah, good that job, was Nick. a really good turn. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Awesome. So, yes. Kenny was the mastermind behind it all. So, Jessica, what do you know about Kenny, the actor who played Kenny? I'd rather. Well, it should who, surprise. Okay, I'm sorry. Not... I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Oh. Kenny is the best I've ever seen as an actor playing shooting himself in the ass. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a fantastic fight scene at the end when she was... tackles him. Yeah. So at the oh. very end, Mike confronts him. They can't get. He's Kenny. Really was a mastermind on this. He couldn't like. He he was completely blameless there was no way they could prove anything to him but mike kind of goads him into admitting that he did all of this and but he instead of going back to jail he pulls out the gun which actually he killed bernie with and he's about to shoot mike when a scuffle incurs sims tackles him chalmers the new guy cuffs him and in the process of all this kenny ends up shooting himself in the ass and it was just chef's kiss perfect it was funny oh yeah and his acting oh my gosh it was he was really good like throughout uh, it all like you believed him every step of the way so i'm sorry i had to give a little more praise to kenny jessica tell us all about this actor yes this actor's name is john brazier b-r-a-z-i-e-r and it should not surprise you that he was in hercules (laughs) shortland (laughs) street the hospital soap opera xena warrior princess (laughs) He was also in Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Annie Whittle, who plays his partner or wife. I'm not sure if they actually. I think, I think they actually did get married. married. But yeah, but in okay. any event, his romantic partner, yes. Yeah. So no surprise, again, Shortland Street, Outrageous Fortune, Go Girls, Brokenwood Mysteries. Um, She and both of them actually are in this other show that I did, or no, I guess he is in it, but not her. There's another show that everybody is in called Makutu. Makutu. I don't know what that means, but yeah, she is in that in a film video version of that, and and um, he's in it, and a bunch of the other actors and creatives do that show too. So yeah, great stuff from both of them. She. They, they do a lot I've, in this episode of being like, I think you're harassing us when they're talking to the police. Oh, and it turns out that she was alibying him. They were alibying each other by saying like, oh, mm-hmm. he sleeps he was late. Just, they all sleep late. That's, that's how they alibied everybody. They alibied yeah. Devin because uh, he sleeps late. We all sleep late. Yes. Everybody was alibying each other by saying they're sleeping. Turns out none of them were sleeping. No, nobody was in the house. Kenny was off stealing. Devin was... Off stealing as also well. 
thinking he was stealing. <laughs> and Annie, as it turns out, was chickening out of going to a doctor's appointment for her cancer, which she doesn't want to find out if it's terminal or not. Yeah. So, so she, she was at the oncologist's office standing outside of it, unable to go in. Yeah. And, yeah. And I do like these bits in this show in particular where there, there's like real life is impinging yeah. like that's on like... on the story and how and creating these interesting alibis that are so true or not true like the alibi is clearly fake but it's covering up something that somebody really just does not want to share because it is emotionally at their core problematic it, <laughs> yes and, and this is what i meant like i knew when i was guessing that they wanted money for a band like i knew that wouldn't be it because like i said like this show really does like it's reason behind things like it can be light and fluffy out there but the reasoning it puts behind things is deeply human and yes that's what i'm trying yes yeah well said. and so like her like him nursing this for 30 years and wanting revenge deeply human her like her alibi that she's got breast cancer or some kind of cancer and she can't face up to it but she's got the receipts and she's doing this as a secret because she doesn't want to tell him because she's afraid that the stress will kill him because he just went through this stroke like all of this is deeply human. So, yeah. No. Good job, team. I mean, yeah. the Brokenwood and team, Devin not this team. We did not get it. to prove himself. <laughs> yeah. Dev yes. Yes, exactly. Devin wanting to prove himself. Yeah. Like, Caleb looks like he's super rich, but as it turns out, nobody in his family saved money for him to go to college, and he's just pissed. And he's he needs very to resentful of that. And yes. literally just wants to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> And Eli wants to be able to support his family. And Eli, like, Eli has such a heart of gold. Like, he, like, he, he's dressed as a mascot, dancing around to get people to come in to the pizza place or whatever the restaurant is. It's the pigeon in something. I forget which one that one is. But so he's dressed as the pigeon out there. But, like, he refers to himself as frontline retail ambassador. Yes. Um, <laughs> And he believes it. Like, he's not, like, he's not, like, that's not, like, somebody has given him this resume speak, but he's like, no, what I'm doing is important. This is how it's working. I'm giving them a psychological edge to come in here. Yeah. And through all of this, we get to have all these great moments with the new detective Chalmers, constable, yeah. Chalmers, and dang, that guy could take the rock with his gun. He's ripped. Oh, my gosh. He has got... <laughs> biceps and he is the whole time getting used to the town and he has mm -hmm. to, one of his first interviews he has to go visit trudy who is the yes trudy who we have to i mean she's so great you she, know, she great. was in the she was in the bank and so they have to go interview her because she disappeared pretty quick after mm -hmm. she was they they find that i forgot the the well it turns out it was eli wrestled her bag of money away mm -hmm. from her which was not her bag of money it was the uh the pub's money and then she is like oh well i'm not sticking around she goes out after the the people who stole the robbers and then she sees how their doofus is in the car and it's not going and anywhere. And they all have to run. And so, so she then she waits. Him. And then she chases Eli with the bag and she gives him a broken arm. And she she's like, breaks his Yes, which is how they, yeah. They, how they find him because they're just looking for a guy with a broken arm. Okay. Okay. Before we go, we have to talk about the cake. Yes, we do. It is indeed homemade. It is. Jan, the teller, made it for Bernie's retirement because they were planning yes. on surprising him. It was and chocolate Madeira. Chocolate Madeira, yes. And Mike is like, they make it, they make a whole thing of it. Like Mike comes in, and he's like, that's a shame. Looks like a good cake. <laughs> and you were like, not really. Does it? Does it? You did not like the frosting. That's what it, it comes down to for you. The frosting has to be generous and lots of it. <laughs> In lots of places, like all Even around all the edges, around the, the bottom. You're you're 100% correct. This is the thing. I like fondant. Like there are people who are like, oh, I won't eat fondant. I'll just, I'll eat fondant. What's wrong with, what's wrong with pressed sugar? I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, but, not even fondant. Like, I mean, if it had just been like a grocery store cake, which is not fondant, it's right. just 
edged and it's just edged and little like now I want some dolphin. cake. Oh man, we should Jacob. get some cake. Shall we go get some cake? <laughs> Let's get some cake. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get some cake and we'll be back. Uh, we can't share any cake with you. I'm very sorry, but we will share our guesses with you next time. See you then. We'll see you next time. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Go to our website, cluedunitpodcast.com, or email us at cluedunitpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram and Facebook at cluedunitpodcast, or on Twitter at cluedunit. And if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcast to help us get the word out. And maybe you'll hear your review read on the show. Want to be a Clue Dunnett private investigator? Leave us a few bucks at cluedunnettpodcast.com and we'll send you a personalized, official Clue Dunnett private investigator license. Officially approved by the totally fake Podcasting Adjudication Board in their secret headquarters in a mountain outside of Squamish. We hope to hear from you soon because watching, watching TV is always better with friends. He's taking photos of the covered bridges of Madison County for some reason. And oh, okay. she is a lonely housewife whose husband is out traveling or something like that but he's probably taking the pictures for people who like bridges i bet he's taking well yes of course he's taking picture for like but i mean it's for like a calendar or something maybe it's not for a calendar why are we the talking word about bridges? is pontist oh dear pontist <laughs> a word to describe someone who loves or enjoys bridges look at go over appreciate engineering <laughs> i am I am shocked and stunned that this podcast has taken a turn into Pontists. That's the that's the new hashtag for when we put this out there again. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We're packing it up. We are no longer talking about mysteries. We are now your source for all things bridges. Bridges and half-remembered or never-known history from two Americans just in the middle. Like yeah, great. There you go. There are bridges everywhere, everywhere in the world. <laughs> no, there are? <laughs> like, For instance, do... Madison County. Madison County. <laughs> we've got your bridges. We've got your tall bridges. We've got your short bridges. We've even got bridges with and without trolls.